Hey everyone, I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. As we're recording this episode, President Trump's legal team is preparing to get back to the Senate floor after a short break. They've had a few hours of argument already. We're going to analyze all of their opening arguments in just a few minutes. We're also wading through the fallout of another bombshell from former National Security Advisor John Bolton. The New York Times reported last night that they got a hold of the manuscript of his forthcoming book where he alleges that President Trump explicitly linked security assistance to Ukraine with an investigation into the Bidens. In a few minutes, I'll be talking with CNN legal analyst Shan Wu. But first, I've got my colleague Alex Rogers on the phone. He's a CNN politics congressional reporter. He's up at the Capitol as we speak, just out of the Senate chamber. Alex, thanks for joining us. David, thanks for having me. So my first question for you is about this Bolton bombshell um, it seems like Mitt Romney uh, feels there's a need perhaps to hear from John Bolton as a witness. Now, he was kind of already leaning in that direction. But but how much, as you know, we've been looking at this constant political calculus. Uh, are there four Republicans to join with Democrats uh, to bring witnesses into this impeachment process? Did the Bolton news change that calculus up there with the Senate Republican conference? We don't know yet, but as you're saying, there are four Senate Republicans that the Democrats need to be able to subpoena new witnesses. And so far, it looks like the Republicans are trying to keep their ranks together, but we're going to find out later after the lunch today what exactly will happen. I talked to Senate Senator Roy Blunt, member of the GOP leadership today, about whether he would uh, vote to subpoena Bolton as a witness, and he goes, oh, I doubt it. And he, his point was that uh, it's the House's job to put a case together. It's then our job to deal with that in a prompt manner. And what Blunt told me was, unless there's a witness that's going to change the outcome, I can't imagine why we'd want to stretch this out for weeks and months. You've seen some senators, though, uh, break a, a little bit. I mean, Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska said that she is curious to hear from uh, John Bolton. But as of right now, there, there are not four Republicans who have come out in favor of voting to subpoena his testimony. You know, this really goes back to the way Mitch McConnell, the majority leader, has structured this by insisting on um, having any vote on witnesses take place after both sides presented their arguments over days and days of those presentations, after um, after. 16 hours of questions from the senators. Then Mitch McConnell said it can be time for a vote on witnesses. And and what that does is that lets some of the some of the steam out, if you will, in a moment like this. Right. It's that Bolton news comes and it's not like they go to the floor today and decide, oh, we have to vote on this. In fact, no. Wait for more days of the president's team to make the argument. Wait for senators to ask questions. And you know how news environments go. It'll be a totally different uh, context on the day that the uh, that the vote were to take place on witnesses. So um, it seems to me Mitch McConnell structured this in such a way to really try and resist uh, any kind of movement from members of his conference uh, into um, in towards accepting witnesses. There has been this struggle between McConnell, who has wanted this to be uh, as quick as possible, but also to be viewed in the public as a fair trial. And then what um, reportedly uh, President Trump wants, which is a vigorous defense. You uh, you saw that tweet on Saturday where he was 
talking about how um, concerned he was that the first day of the defense trials uh, presentation was going to happen during the dead zone of a, of a Saturday newscast when not as many people were watching. So there is this tension between people who want it to be resolved as fast as possible and then President Trump, who wants it, the defense to be as vigorous as possible. Uh, before I let you go, uh, you were inside the Senate chamber uh, earlier today for the beginning of today's proceedings. And I, I'll just tell you, as somebody who was around during the Clinton impeachment era, it was just so odd seeing Ken Starr on the Senate floor this time. We saw him testify before the House Judiciary Committee back in the Clinton years as as the Office of Independent Counsel. But there was Ken Starr, the man in the middle of the Clinton impeachment, smack dab in the middle of the Trump impeachment matter. Now, what was the overall sort of response you were observing from senators sitting there and listening to him? Well, even before that, I was in the, the room uh, a few minutes before the trial began. And maybe it's something you didn't get the chance to see on, on TV, but this is the first time that I saw Starr in the chamber. And uh, when Mitch McConnell saw him and recognized him, he smiled and, and waved him over. They shook hands. And then Starr went over to the defense table and talked with uh, some of their, their lawyers on, the, on that team and the lead prosecutor, Adam Schiff. Um, it, it is uh, a sense of deja vu after the 1999 Clinton trial to see him now again um, in the middle of an impeachment uh, process. And it, it was um, remarkable. I, I will say this, that the Republicans did seem to uh, take to his testimony or take, take to his argument more so than in, in, in other lawyers that, that have been presenting over the past several days. I saw Senator Lamar Alexander, one of those four Republicans that we're looking at, and he was taking notes more than he's taken over the past week when Starr was talking. I think um, Starr's arguments broadly just saying that this would be unprecedented. The, the Senate has never convicted uh, a, a president in an impeachment trial ever before. And do you really want to do that in the middle of, an, of a presidential year during the middle of an election? Uh, and I think that a lot of the Republicans really took note of, of Starr's argument today. Alex Rogers, thank you so much for joining us. I know you got to head back to the Senate trial. Uh, I appreciate you being here on the podcast. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Joining me now is CNN legal analyst Shan Wu. Shan, thanks for being here. Sure. I want to pick up, actually, where I was just leaving off with Alex in a conversation about Ken Starr. I want you to hear some of Starr's argument uh, before the Senate today uh, in the trial. I want you to hear him talk about uh, impeachment as hell. Like war, impeachment is hell or at least presidential impeachment is hell. Those of us who lived through the Clinton impeachment, including members of this body, full well understand that a presidential impeachment is tantamount to domestic war, albeit thankfully protected by our beloved First Amendment, a war of words and a war of ideas. But it's filled with acrimony and it divides the country like nothing else. Those of us who live through the Clinton impeachment understand that in a deep and personal way. One of his main arguments to senators today, Sham, was this came over from the House not in a bipartisan manner and for that reason alone, or not alone, but one of the reasons why uh, this should not be uh, an issue that rises to the level of an impeachable offense here for the Senate to consider. 
really felt Star added very little uh, to the defense here. Uh, they could have really used sort of the gravity of his credentials, former Court of Appeals judge, etc. But really, he just came across as making a partisan speech. Uh, the only thing I felt he exhibited was incredible lack of a sense of his own hypocrisy. Talking about this being the age of impeachment, you got to be kidding me. This is a guy whose own ethics advisor resigned in protest over how anxious and enthused he was at getting himself overly involved in the Clinton impeachment. So it's just ridiculous to hear that coming from him. As for the merits of what he's saying, this is unprecedented. Well, yes, it's unprecedented. There's only been three in the history of the United States. So yeah, that's right. And the first two didn't vote to remove. So maybe a third time's a charm. But it's just really adding nothing in terms of substance. Um, The other uh, bit of news today that we're dealing with is this Bolton fallout. And I do want to get your take because... Not only might Bolton learning what's in his manuscript that he that the that he is claiming that the president told him directly the holdup of Ukrainian aid would continue until these investigations into the Bidens would launch. That's at complete odds with what the uh, president's legal team was putting forth as recently as Saturday when they were opening their arguments. But my question is, okay, they subpoena Bolton. Can't Donald Trump assert executive privilege? He can, and uh, it certainly sounds like <clears throat> that's what they would plan to do. However, it's very muddy as to what happens when he asserts it uh, for a couple reasons. First of all, Bolton himself, not really sure what kind of leverage they'd have over him if he just wants to testify. Probably, legally, they'd have to go to court to stop him from testifying, some sort of a preliminary injunction, which is not necessarily that easy to get. Uh, They would have to go to most likely the chief judge of the U.S. District Court in D.C., Beryl Howell, Howell, who was actually Leahy's legal counsel. That's probably not someone they want to go to. And the other option, of course, would be it's been talked about that maybe uh, Chief Justice Roberts would rule. I think that's highly unlikely. He's not going to be one inserting himself into this. Plus, were it someday to get to the Supreme Court, he'd probably have to recuse if he'd ruled on it. He is not going oh, to remove why? himself <laughs> from that case. <laughs> yeah, and he has kind of indicated he doesn't he doesn't see his role in this impeachment matter as sort of weighing in on those kinds of decisions. He sees it more as just sort of uh, maintaining the decorum of the of the event. It seems exactly. Yeah, he's not going to want to get involved. And he wants to defer to a majority of the senators on how they rule on a lot of these things. They are not just. A jury, as I believe Roberts himself restated the line from the Clinton era when he said, you are both judge and jury in this trial. And that's exactly right. And probably that's the smart thing to do. This is a trial in the Senate. It's not in the courtroom. And he does not want to be creating some sort of precedent for an overly active chief justice presiding over it. So how important do you think Bolton testimony is? I think his testimony is really quite important. Uh, Really, at this point, the president's defense team has no answers for this reporting that we're hearing about today. I think that Seculo turned the corner today doing the right thing that he needs to do, arguing this is really about policy. You may disagree with the president's policy, but it's about policy. I think the only way that he addressed the Bolton news was to say that, look, we're not talking about anything that's not public right now. But of course, that's not really going to fly because it's not public because you're not allowing it <laughs> to become part of the public record. <laughs> His legal team hasn't, but but certainly the president tweeted. He said, I never told John Bolton that the aid to Ukraine was tied to investigations into Democrats, including the Bidens. He went on to say, in fact, he never complained about this at the time of his very public termination. If John Bolton said this, it was only to sell a book. 
That was his response to the New York Times story. Yeah, and as always, I mean, the president's legal team's got to be cringing at the president going public with that. The last thing you need is your client responding publicly before you even get a chance to talk over the response with him. And, of course, there's arguments that he's waiving some sort of executive privilege when he's directly addressing that judges construe waivers of privilege very narrowly. They're not going to say because he said that all privilege is gone. But very strong argument that as to the controversy over what Bolton said, that privilege is waived. Shamu, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your insights. Good to see you. As always, we'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. I strongly encourage everyone to go to CNN.com slash impeachment to keep up with all the latest developments. The site updates 24 hours a day. And remember, we've got a new episode every weeknight. So please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast app is. While you're there, leave us a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. We'll see you tomorrow.